Part Five of Just Me by Pearl White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My father then decided that my theatrical days were surely at an end, that he was not going to have his daughter disgracing him, and all the things that parents can say and think about the stage. So he mapped out my career from then on. I, he decided, showed signs of talent toward being a dressmaker, and he himself got me a job as an apprentice. I lived at home and went to the dressmaker's house each morning. My training consisted of stitching endless seams on the sewing machine. Then I got to delivering bundles and eventually helped to do the housework in the dressmaker's home. I worked there for four months at four dollars a week and learned nothing. I didn't want to be a dressmaker anyway, and when I got fired, I guess my father didn't care much himself. My next job was as a nurse girl to three children. My father knew the family in which I worked, so that I wasn't treated as a regular servant and took my meals with them. Now such things as olives, sweetmeats, all the butter and sugar one wanted had been a scarcity in my life, and this family, who were very well off, set a wonderful table. Consequently, I did a lot of very important eating and very little work. As a nurse girl, I was a terrible failure. I was waiting patiently for my eighteenth birthday, which eventually arrived. In February, I began answering advertisements in the New York Clipper, a theatrical paper that carries advertisements for traveling companies to fill up vacancies that might occur in their casts. I finally landed a job through an agency in Kansas City and was to join the troupe on the 4th of March that being the day on which I was to become eighteen. The troop had sent me a railroad ticket and my trunk I had secretly sent to the station. At about eleven o'clock of the night of the third of March, I made the announcement to my family that at twelve it would be the fourth, and that I would be of age to go where I pleased. Therefore, I was departing on the one-thirty train. My father did act like a sportsman this time. He simply said, Well, girl, I have lost. I have tried to change your mind and failed. Therefore, I can but wish you good luck. My stepmother also loosened up and actually kissed me with feeling, telling me not to forget that, humble though it was, I had a home to come back to when I didn't get on out in the world. This was, I think, the first real demonstration of affection that had ever been staged in my family circle, and I was not an entirely happy young woman when I boarded that train bound for Galena, Kansas, to join the Trousdale Stock Company. This was also a traveling repertoire company. I lasted with this show about eight weeks, and then was fired. It seems that I simply didn't make good. This was quite a blow to me, but I was determined not to return home until I had become a success. So I was left in Emporia, Kansas, flat and alone, with precious little money in my possession. I still stuck to the name of Maisie. However, I had taken on my last name as White. I just more or less moped around that town for a few days, not knowing what to do. Then the old courage returned, and I decided that I would not be beaten. I began to change myself, thinking that maybe my makeup was all wrong. 
I got together some photographs of famous actresses and tried to copy them. In the first place, I had always hated my hair, so I dyed it jet black. Please let me announce to the girls, if you want to get in wrong, just try doing it yourself. I had all the furniture dotted with black, and my hands and neck were dark for weeks. However, I afterward mastered the art, and for two years kept my hair dyed. I was very pleased with this first step. I had a lot of hair, too, so I piled it up into the largest pompadour possible. Then I started using powder on my face and black on my eyebrows. Up until that time I had never used paint or powder when out of the theater. Now I decided I should be very pale, and as my cheeks were always very red, I even put liquid white on them to hide the color. I then got a very tight corset and pulled in my waistline, a la Anna held. I also lengthened my skirts until they touched the ground. And to myself I looked like a regular actress, but to others I must have looked terribly foolish, because nearly every person I passed on the street during my first promenade turned around for a second look. Of course I was delighted and thought I must look stunning. Why can't we always remain young and foolish? I had known an actor from the old Deemer stock days by the name of Frederick Rilla. He had started a stock company in an airdrome built by the local band boys of Coffeyville, Kansas. This was only a short way from Emporia, so I decided to descend upon him in my new makeup and ask for a job. If I could only have foreseen the tragedy that awaited me there. I arrived in Coffeyville, left my trunk at the railroad station, went to a boarding house nearby and engaged a room under my real name, Pearl White the name I have stuck to ever since. When I went down to the theater I received the sad news that Mr. Rella had been taken seriously ill the day before, and was now unconscious. The stage manager told me that they had enough people to get along with, and he didn't want to engage anyone else until Mr. Rella got well again. So I stayed on in Coffeyville answering advertisements and trying to get a job. I was there about three weeks waiting and reading the life of Napoleon over and over again. Napoleon, he who suffered, thought and fought during his early manhood, was my example. He who made his almost impossible dreams come true gave me courage to keep up my struggle. Finally I landed a job with another stock company. They sent me a ticket but as I only had a dollar and seventy-five cents in my pocket, and owed four dollars to the rooming-house keeper, I was in quite a fix. I went to the landlady and told her the situation I was in, and begged her to let me go on and join the company, and that I would send her the money out of my first pay, to which she consented. So I took my suitcase in hand, and started to catch the 8.30 train to Shawnee, Oklahoma. I reached the station, waited about ten minutes for the train, and just as it loomed upon the horizon I was tapped on the shoulder by a policeman. It seems that the old landlord, who had entered the hotel just a moment after I had gone, had different ideas about letting guests depart without paying their bills, and he had brought down the law upon my unsuspecting shoulders. I was mortified and frightened out of a year's growth. I tried to argue with the cop that everything was all right, and then if I missed the train, what it meant to me. He wasn't interested, and said I could tell that to the landlord himself. 
so i left my suitcase in the station and was escorted through the streets by a policeman who had given me the choice of going quietly or forcibly just what would have happened had not a good samaritan come to my rescue i know not be that as it may a man who ran another little theatre in the town saw me walking along the street with the law and followed us into the presence of the irate innkeeper he listened to my monologue and offered to pay the bill saying i could afterwards return the money to him trusting to my honesty as i had nothing to leave as security i can truthfully say that the first four dollars i received was sent to him with more than the ordinary amount of gratitude well this proposition was accepted by the rooming-house people and i was allowed to depart my rescuer walked back to the station with me but as that was the last passenger train that night the depot was closed with my suitcase and trunk locked up inside of it i had checked the trunk and had the receipt for it but not so with the trusty old suitcase i tried to get hold of the station-master but he had departed to parts unknown i was in a fine mess there was a freight train that stopped there at twelve thirty and carried a few passengers in the caboose but that was not patronized very often and the station-house did not open up for that train however i decided to take it and my rescuer promised to have the ticket agent send me my baggage on the first train the next morning i rode on the merry old freighter most of the night then changed and got a passenger train the rest of the way now this company i was to join was just being organized and when i landed in shawnee the manager having met the train before on which i was expected had given me up as lost so i stepped off the train very much alone without even a change of clothing and worse luck i had left the slip of paper on which i had the manager's name written in my suitcase that was reposing back in coffeeville i trudged up to the hotel but being without baggage they demanded their money in advance i was in pretty bad i had a hard time even getting the man at the desk to lend me his ear while i slipped him the news that i was to join the troupe but owing to the fact that they were not playing as yet he knew of them not and probably thought i was more or less of a nut however he eventually opened up and told me that there was a young fellow stopping in the house that was suspected of being an actor of course it was my luck he was out just then so i planted myself on a chair and waited about three hours for his return i was getting pretty nervous when a youth walked into the hotel who couldn't have been more than eighteen and had no earmarks such as long hair and extreme clothes that performers went in for in those days anyway the clerk said something to him and pointed toward me i was fit to be tied by that time and wouldn't have been surprised if he had turned out to be a warden from an insane asylum coming to fetch me i told him my tale and he was of the troop which i was to join he took me around to the manager and i got enough money advanced to get into a hotel but i wasn't very comfortable without even a clean handkerchief i was expecting my luggage on the next train but it didn't come nor did it on the next nor the next i did receive a duplicate check for the suitcase a woman in the company was kind enough to lend me enough linen to get along with and i stuck to the one suit that i brought in on my back the trunk finally arrived after about a week but the suitcase no 
then the wonderful idea dawned on me that if it were really lost the express company would have to pay me a hundred and fifty dollars and that was a lot of money to me i would have sold it and its contents very willingly for twenty-five well the company started on a tour but it didn't last very long so that i didn't get any money at the beginning because they had to take out my railroad fare and give me my board money in advance therefore i was always a little ahead of my salary we landed in parsons kansas i was just out of debt and with my fifteen dollars worth of salary coining that saturday night things looked pretty bright the time was also up in which the express company was due to deliver the suitcase or pay the hundred and fifty which i was looking forward to with great anticipation but gosh hang it on friday the old bag showed up a little worse off for its traveling around the country but still intact on saturday night after the performance we marched out to the box office to get our salary and found that the manager had disappeared with the weekly receipts in his pocket what grief i think i had about ten cents in the world with which i bought postage stamps and sent out appeals for a job among which was one to the coffeeville stock company that was immediately answered sending me a ticket and telling me to come right away so i left my trunk for my board bill and bid farewell to the boy of the hotel lobby episode in shawnee we'd become wonderful pals and i hated to say good-bye he was only a youngster then but some years afterward he became quite a favorite in the moving picture plays produced by the lubin company this boy's name is earl metcalf he was getting along very well in his profession but he proved that he was more than just an artist and was one of the first men to go to the plattsburgh training camp and went over to europe in one of the first contingents sent from america six months ago he was a lieutenant i have heard since that he has become a captain i hope he comes back a general well i played in coffeeville about five weeks and got a few dollars ahead then mr rella died and the company closed and i attended my second funeral but unlike my first i was so affected that i saw his dead face before me in the darkness for days and have since been to only two funerals i don't look upon death with fear now but in my early youth i certainly did after a couple of days i got a job with a company in a town nearby topeka kansas but the show closed the day after i joined the next company that broke into the town was the trousdale stock the same company on which i had been fired before the woman they had taken on in my place was evidently not so good either so they discharged her and took me back now this show didn't last so very long but i got my salary and a wonderful thrill on the opening and closing nights there is an insane asylum in topeka i don't know whether it was the character woman's idea or mine anyhow we decided we'd go out and pay said asylum a visit we'd gone through the building and started to go away when i spied a lot of women out in the little yard they were some trusted inmates who were not watched very closely and they did prove themselves to be less crazy than we i had on i remember a bright red dress and she had on a picture hat with a couple of green plumes in it these bright colors must have made an impression on the crowd because they all gathered around us and began to chatter and laugh one woman walked up 
whom we took to be a nurse she was doing some very fine embroidery work and talked very nicely to us telling us not to mind the other women that they were all nuts then with a remark that she loved my red dress she left us and started bawling out the others just then a real nurse came up and told us that visitors were not allowed in that part of the grounds she also told us that the woman to whom we were just talking was insane and very violent at times gee they were getting me all fussed up by now and i didn't have much faith in anybody's sanity even my own so we started to get out there was an awful howl and the woman with the fancy work leaped into the air and started toward me i lost no time in ducking behind a high bench but she was right on my heels and chased me around in circles until she was captured by two attendants end of part five